0: Welcome to the fourth episode of Healthy Mind Fit Body Podcast. This is Wes. And this is Kevin. And we are coming to you live over Skype. Well, not necessarily live. Live for us, but time-shifted for you guys. That's the nature of podcasts. And this is the long-awaited
1: episode for, I
0: might add. Yes, we never apologized last week for the sketchy sound quality on Skype. This week, we hope it's better. Yeah, we're praying to
1: the internet gods as we
0: speak, so. So, yes, the long-awaited podcast. What are we going to be covering this episode, Kevin?
1: Well, uh, we were talking about The Hungry Girl, right?
0: Yes, we did off the show. We did mention some of the things she's been talking about as uh, very popular these days. I think she did an interview with ABC News or maybe it was uh, Nightline. I'm not sure which one it was, but they basically went through what she's been doing, helping people, thousands and thousands of people who are wanting to eat all the kinds of foods that are within the inside of the supermarket, the inside aisles rather than in the perimeter. And in the book on our website, Healthy Mind Fit Body, we focus on eating in that perimeter zone rather than the inside, all those inside aisles with all the snack foods, the chips, the cookies, and all that good stuff. I don't think the message that she was sending is really about health so much as trying to manage an unhealthy diet in moderation. Don't you think?
1: Right, because in the in the video that we were watching, she stayed, yeah, like you said, in the aisles, and they were picking up a lot of packages of potato chips and analyzing which chips were better than others. And uh, I think that's kind of the wrong angle to to approach it at. If you're trying to lose weight or stay fit, you don't want to look at which potato chips are the are the least um, unhealthy. Instead, you know, like I said, stay around the pruner, get the whole foods instead of the processed stuff. And that's the big problem right now is that most people are buying all the processed stuff. So,
0: But it tastes so good, man. It tastes so good. I mean, I just ate a bag of Doritos this morning.
1: Oh, yeah? <laughs> did you wash that down with a Dr. Pepper? or <laughs> I did because Dr. Pepper is
0: my favorite. But before I ate the oh, bag nice. of Doritos, I actually had half a box of Cheerios. You see? Oh, well, there you go. So you went from healthy to but I use skim milk, which is the important thing because saturated fat is bad for you, you see. Right. Isn't right, that right? Isn't yeah. that what they tell us? Especially, you know, fat yeah, is that's... the devil, of course. And saturated yeah. fat is horrible. I mean, once you drink it, you can just feel your arteries hardening. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's so good.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, that's see, that's the thing is we've been fed all this bad information and some of that comes down to, and I'll talk about The Hungry Girl a little bit more, but, you know, these companies that make the cereals, I mean, they, they've they got the uh, USRDA bought and paid for. You know, the Cheerios and stuff is considered healthy. As long as it doesn't have the uh, extra sugar, it's fine, right?
0: Hey, Kev, I, I, got, I should mention to you that I've been corresponding via email with uh, Nabisco. And so, um, you know, we might be able to get them as a sponsor, and I don't think that we should probably bring this up anymore. You know, because those Keebler elves... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we might want to keep
1: that on the down low. I mean, you're kind of giving away our secret there.
0: Yeah, it's one of the secrets, right? So all these companies, these snack food companies and stuff, are inundating the Hungry Girl with all of their products so that they can get kind of her seal of approval on the box. And uh, what was it? The, um, the All Brand, I think, is the one that's got it on there now. But um, like, this is Hungry Girl approve or she thinks this is great, something like that. Yeah. So naturally, all the people that are listening to her pitch will be buying that product, supposedly, that's what they think. Right. But the point of all this is to have the right nutritional information and we do mention this in the bonus audio that you can get from the website if you just put your email address in there and get on the newsletter list, too. You can listen to that opening audio that we have describing the three pillars to a healthy mind-fit body, basically, which are expanded on in the book itself. but. The main component, of course, before you even start going shopping, you have to kind of have the right nutritional information. And there's a whole bunch of people out there saying a whole bunch of different things. And one of the main things is that fat is kind of bad. That fat is like twice as many calories. And therefore, if you look at this calorie theory of weight loss idea, you have to minimize calories. So naturally, you would want to eat a lot less fat because it's double the calories. But... Uh, Is that the right sort of thinking to have about this issue of nutrition?
1: Not really, unless you want to walk around, you know, all day kind of feeling hungry and craving all kinds of bad foods. For the most part, fat is good for you. I mean, there's some fats you definitely want to avoid. I mean, you want to look for the partially hydrogenated oils and things like that that are added to foods that are not so good for you. But uh, as far as eating fat, that's um that's a big part of my diet. And I know you eat a lot of fat too, Wes, right?
0: I do, yes. I try to minimize my carbohydrate intake, and I get probably around 50% of my calories from fat. And it was interesting because as I went from being diagnosed with type 1 diabetes back in 95, I was advised by dietitians and the diabetes specialists even uh, to keep on with my high-carb, low-fat diet that I thought was really good for me. And then I ran across the information about insulin and carbohydrates and so forth. And I started to reduce my carb intake and therefore my insulin amount. And I found out that my blood readings improved. And then when I added more saturated fat into the fat component of my diet, they got even better. Yeah. Which was really interesting and kind of counterintuitive given the amount of information that people get flooded with about how bad saturated fat is.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's tough to take. I think when you made that comment that 50% of your diet comes from fat, I could just hear the jaws dropping to the floor out there. <laughs> I mean, I think that's just a, that just probably puts a shock to most people's system that someone could eat that much fat and be healthy.
0: Yeah, that picture of me in my Twitter photo, that's actually photoshopped. I really look like Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> yeah. I actually weigh like 3,000 pounds now. I, I can't even find a scale. I usually use trucker scales. Right. <laughs> no, seriously, I, my body fat is actually around 10%. Yeah. Between 10 and 12%. But um, the main issue, of course, is insulin secretion. And we get into this in the book itself. But I thought it'd be good to cover an article that you found. I think it was on Tim Ferriss's vlog, the four hour work week, right?
1: Yeah. The article is seven reasons to eat more saturated fat. Dear God. <laughs> I was even shocked to see this come across my email, not because I don't believe it, but I never see anything like this going across in any kind of mainstream source. So. But he's a little off the beaten path in terms of his philosophy in life, so it's uh, pretty fitting that he would be talking about this. But the article is actually written by Dr. Michael Eads and Dr. Mary Dan Eads, it's their husband and wife, and they were the authors of, what was it?
0: Uh, protein Power.
1: Protein power, that's right. Yeah, that was popular in the Mm
0: mid-90s. Basically emphasizing that protein is a good thing too, as well as fat. So it seems that the whole industry of agriculture and nutrition is geared towards keeping people satiated with carbohydrates as their main energy source. And this has led to the epidemic of obesity that we have. In addition to some other factors, you know, the mental psychological side of eating habits and dealing with the conflicts within yourself about, you know, what you should eat versus what you are eating, that kind of thing. Yeah. But this might as well be retitled the seven deadly sins of eating saturated fat for most people. Yeah. So it's important to dispel the myths that are involved in this, right?
1: Yeah, it's the exact opposite of what most people believe. And now we're getting to the point where it is a little more mainstream to talk about fat being a good thing, eating fat being a good thing. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of starting to come apart. But this idea that saturated fat is just horrendous for your health is still out there and it's prevalent in mainstream sources. And that's just not true. And there's so many reasons. And this article does a really good job of giving you all the benefits of eating saturated. Not just that it's not bad for you, but it's actually beneficial. And people are missing out on so many things when they avoid saturated fats.
0: Yeah, just to go down the list here, just the high points, because it is a fairly long article. Number one is improved cardiovascular risk factors. This is in line with the blood reading improvement that I had, you know, triglyceride levels and HDL cholesterol um, the surrogate marker for insulin levels, which is triglyceride to HDL cholesterol ratio. So that's improved. And they're saying that the addition of saturated fat to the diet reduces the levels of a substance called lipoprotein that correlates strongly with the risk for heart disease. And then the research has shown that when women diet, those eating the greatest percentage of the total fat in their diet as saturated fat lose the most weight. Now, there's lots of correlation aspects to that, and um, it's hard to pin down the actual causal factors, but nonetheless, if you don't have an enormous amount of carbohydrates in your diet, then eating saturated fat is not going to be detrimental. As a matter of fact, it's going to be beneficial to your health and your diet. Right. And this is in line with uh, the much maligned Robert Atkins, right? Mm Mm-hmm. The Atkins weight loss diet, because he was actually a cardiologist, So you'd think a guy that knows about the heart would know a little bit about the nature of saturated fat related to heart disease. And he correctly claimed through the evidence, looking at the research, the actual evidence from the various studies that they've done, that only when you couple high amounts of saturated fat with really high amounts of carbohydrates does it do like a double whammy on you. But it's important to understand that not many people out there in the nutrition industry are saying that a high-carb diet is detrimental to you in the way that they're saying that saturated fat is bad for you. Like,
1: yeah, yeah, it's just
0: completely a disconnect there, huh?
1: Yeah, exactly. I thought the second one was interesting, uh, the second benefit, stronger bones. According to one of the foremost research experts in dietary fats and human health, Mary Enig, Ph.D., there's a case to be made for having as much as 50% of the fats in your diet as saturated fats for this reason. That's a far cry from the 7 to 10% suggested by mainstream institutions.
0: Indeed, and I think it would be difficult to get that percentage of saturated fat in your diet because even if you look like at a beefsteak, you're still not going to get, I don't think, 50% of the fatty acids in that to be saturated. Right. I think it's under 50%. But anyway, I mean, the amount that people eat right now is just a scintilla of what she's recommending. Oh, yeah. So the third one, improved liver health. Saturated fat has been shown to protect the liver from alcohol and medications, including acetaminophen and other drugs commonly used for pain and arthritis. Yeah, that's a big one. So all you uh, alcoholics out there, make sure you uh, (laughs) eat lots of saturated fat.
1: Yeah, have a big steak with your uh, vodka, I guess, right?
0: Yeah, not necessarily advisable. Ditch the alcohol, and uh, it's okay to eat the uh, proteins with saturated fat in them. Or cheeses. I mean, where are you going to find saturated fat? Typically, you'll find it in meats and cheeses, right? Yeah. And other dairy products.
1: Right. I don't know if we mentioned on any of the podcasts, but I know we did in the book, is uh, coconut oil. That's got a high amount of saturated fat. Yes. it's it's really, really healthy for you.
0: We like coconuts. Mm Mm-hmm. And you have to... uh, Differentiate the coconut juice from the actual coconut milk or the coconut spread. Yeah. Because that will have the, the saturated fat in it. The juice itself is, I guess they take it from uh, unripened coconuts. It's the center uh, liquid in there. Right. And did you know, ladies and gentlemen, that you can actually use this juice as blood plasma? It's actually like the same pH. And you can inject it into your veins, not to say that I would recommend that. But people have used it, apparently, as uh, blood plasma before. It's interesting, huh?
1: Yeah, I think you mentioned that before, and I can't remember when it was, but uh, I remember hearing that from you. But that's uh, that's pretty cool stuff.
0: Crazy trivia.
1: Yeah, so the fourth thing, healthy lungs. That's interesting. So our uh, athlete friends out there will be happy to hear about that.
0: Yeah, for proper function, the airspace of the lungs have to be coated with a thin layer of lung surfactant. The fat content of lung surfactant is 100% saturated fatty acids. Replacement of these critical fats by other types of fat makes faulty surfactant and potentially causes breathing difficulties.
1: It also mentions that uh, you know one of the problems right now is that a lot of the uh, packaged foods they put in partially hydrogenated fat in replacement to saturated fat, and that that actually plays a role in giving people asthma.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And so the next two are kind of related, a healthy brain and proper nerve signaling. So the brains, neurons, it's all fat and cholesterol-related tissue. Right. And the lion's share of the fatty acids in the brain are actually saturated. A diet that skimps on healthy saturated fats robs your brain of the raw materials it needs to function optimally. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? Yeah. So certain saturated fats, particularly those found in butter, lard, coconut oil, and palm oil – that's another good oil – function directly as signaling messengers that influence metabolism, including such critical jobs as the appropriate release of insulin. Oh, yeah. That's kind of a minor effect. I haven't noticed much difference there. But anyway, I'm sure there's people listening that are, again, kind of astounded that we would be advocating eating more saturated fat. Um, And some people might say, well, chimpanzees are, what, 98% similar in DNA, and uh, they don't eat much saturated fat, do they? But they have a different digestive system, obviously. Yeah. It's taken a few million years for us to evolve to a different system. And actually, we can do another podcast about this issue, which is cooking our food and how that has led to us having bigger brains. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, some scientists are forwarding this notion that um, by breaking the food up through the cooking process, it's more easily digestible, and therefore our mouths got smaller, our teeth got smaller, but our brains got bigger as a consequence of all those, you know, more accessible nutrients, so. Yeah, no doubt. And number seven, huh?
1: Yeah, strong immune system. So it says human breast milk is actually quite rich in myristic and lauric acid, which have potent germ-killing ability. And that's one thing. The coconut oil also has the lauric acid. It says, The importance of the fats lives on beyond infancy. We need dietary replenishment of them throughout adulthood, middle age, and into seniority to keep the immune system vigilant against the development of cancerous cells as well as infectious invaders. So, yeah, I think people get away from that. I mean, you have that breast milk when you're a baby, and then, uh, you know, everybody kind of gets away from it and goes into the high-carb diet. And then children, you know, start getting sick, and then everybody's getting sick, and people think that, uh, it's just something that they caught. But in reality, your immune system has a lot to do with your diet. And I'm just actually getting over a cold here as we talk about this. But, you know, I always talk about the S's that affect your immune system the sleep, stress, and sugar. And, um, sugar has a lot to do with it. If you're eating a lot of sugar, a lot of carbs, it's going to actually have an effect on your immune system. It's going to break it down and you're going to be more susceptible to picking up whatever's out there, which is, there's always stuff out there. So
0: Yes, all these critters are encroaching on our bodies 24-7 and it's important to keep a strong immune system. Exactly.
1: So yeah, that stuff really has helped me over the years avoid getting sick all the time or even when I do get a cold, I notice that the differences between the way I used to eat, which was just you know constantly eating carbs and I used to get colds all the time. When I got a cold, I'd be sick for like two or three weeks. I'd be like on my deathbed almost, uh, you know, not really able to do anything. And now I'll get a cold and maybe it'll last like five, six days, but it's not very severe. I mean, I can really carry on with most of the things that I do. And uh, I think it's because my immune system is much stronger now than than even when it was uh, when I was back in my college days. And, you know, I think that's diet and also sleep. I mean, when I get a cold, I know exactly what it's from. It's usually the lack of sleep or stressing too much about this or that.
0: Yeah. So for those listeners that are trying to lose weight or manage their optimal weight, how do you think they can come to terms with this consumption of saturated fat if they viewed it as uh, somewhat bad in the past? Because this is kind of a mental game, isn't it? Because you've got so many influences in your life.
1: Yeah, it is a mental game. Um, yeah, because I mean, I've even talked to people that know all about the benefits of fat, but they won't eat it. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> because it just sounds bad, because it's like, oh no, fat, I hate that word. I don't want to be fat, so I'm not going to eat fat.
0: In this regard, you are not what you eat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just important to understand that as you make these independent decisions about what to eat and what not to eat, it serves as a, uh, a good guide to keep in mind what exactly the evidence is based on, or what the assertions that are made in the mainstream are based on. And uh, I know that Gary Tobbs wrote that book, Good Calories, Bad Calories, and he tried to dispel a lot of the different myths about this issue with carbohydrates and saturated fat and heart disease and all that stuff, as well as Johnny Bowden in the uh, Living the Low-Carb Life. He's got some great studies that he references in regard to uh, saturated fat. All the research that he did, trying to track down where this myth started, he discovered there's not one study that actually shows that saturated fat is in any way bad for you. And yet there's tons of studies that show that high carbohydrate and thus insulin secretion is going to lead to a whole host of bad things. Uh, and weight gain is one of the biggest ones.
1: Yeah, isn't that interesting? I mean, it, it just goes back to the uh, that saying, everything you know is wrong. And that, that can be applied to nutrition like times 10, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Question authority. Authority in quotes.
1: Yeah, question authority and and just be skeptical. I mean, that's the best way to be because if stuff that's just passing you by, you're accepting as truth, then um, you're going to make a lot of bad decisions, especially about your health, which is really the most important thing, right?
0: Yes, your physical health next to your psychological health. Yeah. That's kind of the essence of the Healthy Mind Fit Body. We really wanted to kind of integrate those two components so people can come to terms psychologically with this whole process of achieving your ideal weight and maintaining a really healthy lifestyle. And keeping in mind the longevity factor, you know, we want to have good health all the way through late adulthood. No doubt. So that about wraps it up.
1: Yeah, so if you like this podcast, uh, please go to our iTunes listing and give us a comment. Give us your feedback. We'd love to hear from you. So just go into the show notes. We'll have a link to go to the iTunes listing.
0: And if you want to comment on the show notes, uh, feel free to do that on our blog slash podcast. On our website, HealthyMindFitBody.com, you'll see the post for Episode 4. Well, thanks for listening this week, and we'll talk to you next week.
1: Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you next week.